Welcome to Teacher Zion Podcast. This is Doug Hatton, uh, Teacher in Zion Podcast, and I have with me today Sarah Perry. And Sarah, you are in Missouri, in the same state I reside, not too far away, about an hour maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've asked her to be on and to share her story with us, um, knowing that uh, uh, we've all had some similar, you know, we a lot of us come from different backgrounds or whatever, but we've all had some similar experiences, and I think it's very helpful for people to hear that and know. Um, so, Sarah, just uh, start us out, if you would, and tell us a little bit about your your background, um, you know. All right. Well, I grew up in the LDS church. My parents converted before I was born, um, so no pioneer heritage. Uh, I grew up in South Carolina and um, just a mostly active family. Um, my mother was abusive, so I did have struggles there. And then at church, um, there was also lots of bullying in my church as well, in my local ward. And I thought, it's just because we're in South Carolina and we're not in Utah where Zion is, you know, because that's why everyone is, um, different here and not as good as they should be. But, um, that just kind of reinforced to me from a very early age that I needed to rely directly on God. So I definitely learned a lot of good things from the LDS Church about personal revelation and, of course, the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith. And um, and then after I got married, I kind of lived all over the country. My husband was in the military. And then um, during the the 2020 stuff, we just felt really strongly that we needed to get out of the military, and uh, God led us to Missouri to specifically this house that we okay. bought last last spring. So we've been here okay. almost a year. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I I am not a Missouri native either. Um, so I oh, came really? from Michigan. So the Lord's brought both of us here. Um, so that's that's interesting. You're. Now, I think you, you said, I may have misheard, but you were talking about uh, Utah and being mm-hmm. Zion, right? That's, is that what you said? Yeah, that's kind of, I guess, um, kind of the LDS a cultural belief. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the LDS, as, at, least, at least where I grew up being not in the West. Um, everyone just kind of talked about Utah being Zion. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not as we understand Zion in the scriptures, yeah. but, uh, the place where God gathered everyone to be mm-hmm. is over there. So I, I just assumed that everything would be better in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> and then well, I yeah. lived in Utah for a bit and I discovered that was not the case. <laughs> huh. I went to yeah. BYU with my husband and it was not at all what I was expecting. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I, I heard from somebody that they thought in Utah that uh, everyone would talk about their Mormonism or whatever, but because you're in a very Mormon state, but they said that people didn't want to talk about religion or politics, or you're afraid to offend people. Did uh-huh. you find that to be true? I mean, what was it like at BYU? <sighs> at BYU, I just found people, um, I guess to put it bluntly, just being hypocritical, just not living the gospel. Like we would okay. all go to church and 
say that we believe all thing all these things and that we should do all these things and then when you're not at church people are just acting not uh in accordance with the gospel <laughs> it was kind of hmm. jarring to me okay. to find um i don't know just so many rude and mean people that i found at byu oh. i was very surprised because i was going there expecting this to be this is the paragon this is where all of the the righteous people go yeah yeah the church's uh, yeah. university right i mean yeah. it's a, you're expecting it to be a very I thought uh, I would find spiritual like my, environment, maybe. Yeah, but. like a surrogate family, community, just everything. But mm -hmm. I had some good experiences there, but overall it was very disappointing. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, our, our LDS church has uh, its small version <laughs> called Graceland University. Oh, really? In, in Iowa, yeah. And it, it was a church uh, campus. But a lot of people I know, um, as the as the church became, I guess, more on the liberal side uh, and more, I guess, politically correct or whatever. But um, what was interesting is noticing that by, I mean, I think by the sixties and seventies, and especially in the eighties, um, it was kind of jarring for some people to find out that some a lot of people that worked there, not all of, all of them, of course, but didn't really even believe in God necessarily and or didn't believe in the church. And this has always been like the church's university, yeah. you know. Uh, so you send your kids there thinking, well, they'll be, you know, in a church-raised right. environment going to college. And and yet they face some of the th same things they, they would on any university, I guess, of oh, unbelief yeah. or doubt. Or, and people making or fun of you for trying to live the gospel and, yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting to me how many um, people I found going who, after they had been at BYU a few years, had just kind of lost their faith, but they just kind of kept hmm. going through the motions of Mormonism, but even though they didn't believe yeah. a lot of it or any of it anymore. Um, but yeah, I, it's interesting, all the new things I'm learning about all the different branches of Mormonism since I've moved to Missouri. <laughs> I yeah. had never heard of the Hedrickites before, the Temple yeah. Lot Church. Um mm -hmm. And I knew about the Community of Christ, but I did not know about the big split that okay. happened yeah. with the Restoration branches until just recently. So yeah. I'd never heard about all these different branches before. And it's just so cool to me to meet other people who believe the Book of Mormon and Joseph it is Smith. Neat. It is neat to do that. Yeah, I, I don't know how many missionaries have come by and since I lived in Michigan and in here. And a lot of them are completely surprised and never heard of anybody else that believes in the Book of Mormon. Who's not oh, in the church? Wow. So it's amazing, you know, <laughs> that, yeah, I, I guess, you know, you're, you're on your own universe in a way in the LDS church and mm -hmm. these other churches are uh, considerably smaller and so forth. So I, I'm guessing no good would come of educating people about these other splinter groups might raise questions. Maybe I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, and maybe, maybe that's the thing. Cause I thought it's just such a tragedy that we haven't been closer as churches, as church yeah. communities, um, t we could learn so much from each other and just enjoy the fellowship of yeah. another church that lo that believes the Book of Mormon. I, Absolutely. I'm um, sad that that hasn't been the case. <laughs> well, yeah, there's something really interesting happening here in Independence that I, I thought I would mention. Um, so I think it's the stake president, LDS stake president here in Independence. He used to be our LDS and anyway, um, he's involved in something that's called the Independence Initiative or Alive and Well. 
initiative or something like that. Um, I'm probably doing it no justice there. But anyway, it really is an effort to clean up neighborhoods, help people out, um, someone, uh, widows and uh, people that are uh, needing help going in and assisting them in their home. Uh, it's a lot with the homeless people. And what it is, is it's an, it's an initiative that knows no denominational barriers. This is why I think it's cool. That's why I wanted to bring it up. I love that. So there yeah. are LDS, RLDS, Restoration Peoples, um, Community of Christ People, and we're not supposed to get along, right? Wow, yeah. Um, and other uh, Christian denominations. And they also work with uh, other Christian organizations like there's the... Uh, uh, Team Jesus. There's a Team Jesus in the Kansas City area, and they're going out doing things for the homeless. And they're all teaming up, doing this initiative in Independence, trying to make some housing for the homeless, trying to give them meals, trying to you know help them out and get back on their feet. And it's kind of cool to see all these groups coming together to do something like that. You know, it's a shame we hadn't done that sooner because I think there'd be a lot to learn yeah. from each other. And I think maybe the hesitation all these years for us to know about each other or to consider that maybe there's someone else out there is precisely that just the idea that we've mm -hmm. held on to uh, being the one true church yes. is that was that always kind of a really heavy thing you, you just were always oh, told yes. since that, growing since up like you are child. the one true church yep. and yeah. i remember thinking wow i'm i can't believe how lucky i am to be born in the only true church Yes. Ever. <laughs> I feel pretty yeah. differently now. I, uh, I I feel like the scriptures teach that there are only two churches, the Church of Christ, the Absolutely. Church of the Devil. And I feel like there's going to be a lot more people in the Church of Christ than people would expect. Yeah. And Jesus is going to gather up. And in fact, the first Sunday I visited the Restoration Branch here in my tiny rural town, um, the sermon was about Zion, the literal gathering of Zion, which the mm -hmm. LDS doesn't really teach anymore. Oh. And he was talking about how God is going to bring anyone he wants, and they might not be from uh, our faith background or our tradition yeah. or our church. Mm -hmm. And he's going to yeah. gather more than just us to Zion. And I was like, yes, amen. Absolutely. I agree with this. You know, as as big as the church is or the LDS and all that. I mean, for the most part, as far as all these people here in the United States, I think the best you could really say is that we're only one part of one tribe. Yeah. Okay. Even if you got the RLDS and the LDS and the Hedrickites together, for the most part, we're one part of one tribe. And there's more tribes than us. So, you know, from all the four corners of the earth and, yeah. I, I think it's a lot like what it was in Jesus' day, isn't it? In these last yeah. days. because. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, they all thought they were the one religion. They were the only ones with priesthood, authority, all that. And then John the Baptist shows up in the wilderness. He wasn't ordained by them. Mm -hmm. So he couldn't give them any credentials to show how he was a part of their club. And they were like, by what authority are you doing this? <laughs> and uh, that was one of the things that the Lord showed me early on when I really gave my life to him. And I started reading the scriptures is he was like, this is how it's going to be. In the yeah. last days, people are like, well, you don't have authority. Well, guess what? If the Lord says they do, they do. <laughs> so, God can do what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Book of Mormon says there's there are only two churches. Mm -hmm. One of them is God's and one is Satan's. 
Well, that's pretty harsh right there. So if you're saying that you're the one true church, think about that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, you kinda, you're sort yes. of saying everyone else is, is of the devil. We really don't have any uh, in-between ground. So that's a whole revolutionary thought right there. Yeah, yes. God, God's really opened up my eyes to the pride that... And there are a lot of good things to say about the LDS church, but I think pride is a really big problem. Yeah. And the one true church is one of those prideful things that we cling to. Like, yeah, we've got we've got it all. We're just trying yeah. to give everyone what we have because what, everything we have is correct. Oh, yeah. But we were we were fed a steady diet of we're the one true church, the only ones with authority. And that was all great until the church started to fall apart on us. Mm -hmm. When our leadership started to fail us, when we started to doubt that they were really listening to the Lord, well, the Lord used that to say, yeah, it's time to stop trusting in men. (laughs) (laughs) So time to start listening to me. And that seems to be what a lot of people in the LDS background are starting to experience as well, like a waking up, Mm -hmm. you know. I feel like when the 2020 stuff happened, uh, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people felt betrayed by the leadership. Yeah. And I think that's led a lot of people to go back straight to the scriptures and see, is what we're doing even in here? I remember yeah. reading the Doctrine and Covenants as a kid in seminary and just wondering, we don't really do the church organization this way anymore. Why don't mm-hmm. we? Because it's it's pretty different now. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot lot of things to there's a lot to go through when you start questioning things. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things come up, and it's a lot of study and a lot of prayer you gotta get through. My uh, a couple of years. Well, it was during 2020. I had a pair of missionaries that came in. Um, weekly for a while and really enjoyed them and conversing with them and um, I always want to give them opportunity to share what they want to share because it seems like uh, once I tell them that I believe that I have the Book of Mormon and believe it but I'm not in the church suddenly they have all the questions and I like to always turn it back around and say Did you, is there something you want to share with me and they shared with me a video of the current president giving an address and I think it was a Thanksgiving address Mm-hmm. and they played it on their phone, and it was a nice speech. Um, they said, well, what do you think of that? And I said, well, that's, that's really, that was a really nice speech. I said, there's a lot of good things in there, a lot of wisdom. I said, I certainly don't disagree with anything there. I said, uh, but there's one thing I noticed, and I said, I don't want to offend you. And they said, well, go ahead, say whatever you want to say. And I said, not really anything prophetic about this message. I wonder if 2020 and the response to pandemic and all that, and I don't like to get too much into the controversy of all that. And that yeah. to me, it's, it's up to everyone to decide for themselves what the best response was. But mm-hmm. was part of your disappointment in the in the leadership that there wasn't a revelatory experience where the Lord was leading the church in this, but it was more of a man response, just like just for me yeah it was the um the instead of yeah going to god directly we're just gonna do whatever the government says and i just know the government does not have our best interests at heart and um 
to me, that's kind of like partnering, partnering up with Satan. I know everyone doesn't have as strong feelings against the government as I do, <laughs> but so that was, that was pretty bad for me. A lot of people did see some prophetic things, um, despite everything, because just a year or two before we had started kind of shifting the focus to, um, church being supportive of the family. So the family's in charge of learning the gospel at home and they, they rolled out new manuals for everybody. And they were like, this is your responsibility to learn this at home. And then church is just there to support you kind of shifting the focus. And so a lot of people saw that as, oh, well, that was clearly a prophetic change because then we had to do home church. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe I kind of thought, Maybe <laughs> I tried to think the best of of them at the time. It, um, it, it got really hard because I was like, we're, we have these temples shut down, which we're supposed to be doing this, these saving ordinances in here for our dead. And none of them are open. We're not getting any of this, this important temple work done, which has been hammered into me my whole life. We got to mm-hmm. do this. This is super important. We're just going to on a whim, just close it. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal. Like, how how can we just push that aside so easily just Mm -hmm. to follow the government mandates, which weren't making sense to me? So, yeah, yeah, I think think that was uh, the starting point for a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people struggle with the church since the 2020 stuff. For me, it it started a little bit before then because I had been reading... um, God had kind of opened up my mind to question things more, just governments and social systems in general. And then it kind of progressed Mm -hmm. to, I had this nagging feeling like I'm missing something, something about the church might not be what I think it is, might not be what I've always Mm -hmm. brought up and been taught that it is. And I found um, Connor Boyack, his book, Christ versus Caesar. He's LDS. And he wrote a book just really powerfully explaining how we need to make our master Christ and not the government. And he had all these historical instances of the church um, following the government instead of Christ, when obviously following Christ would have been going against the government, would have been a very difficult thing to do, but was the right thing to do. Like when in World War II, um, for Jews to emigrate away from Germany, they needed someone to write them a letter and so Jewish members of the church and other Jewish people in Germany asked the church headquarters if they would write them some letters so that they could escape Germany and they refused and that one was that was a big one for me I was like I did not know about this Mm. Um, that was just I don't know how you could uh, just yeah. refused to do that. I, I think it was just more politically expedient. Well, we don't want the Nazis to shut down our missions in Germany and shut down our churches so that we can't worship. And so that I, I had read about that a year or two before the 2020s. So I, I was already kind mm-hmm. of starting to get comfortable with, okay, my leaders are not perfect and they make yeah. mistakes and they're human. But yeah. I feel like God can still speak through them. But then uh, then the 2020s happened and it was harder <laughs> because that was a present thing instead of something in the distant past. 
this was happening to me and my family. We weren't allowed to go to church because uh, they wouldn't let you go to church at all in California for a while, which is where we were living at the time. And then they yeah. wouldn't let you sing at church. And then they, you could sing, but you have to wear a mask while you sing. Mm. And um, yeah. So the admonition to trust the prophet, yeah, that, was becoming, yeah. that was becoming questionable on yeah. some level. There's a, a primary song called Follow the Prophet. And mm -hmm. I taught it to my children because it has some good, um, there, each verse is about a different prophet in the Old Testament. So it has some good info in there. Yeah. But the chorus is follow the prophet over and over and over. You repeat yeah. it over and over and over. So I just skipped that because I was like, <laughs> I don't feel good about that necessarily. I feel like it should be follow the Savior. Well, so. so long as that prophet is Christ, I don't have a problem. There you go. The one true prophet. The only one who ever did not fail us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so you, um, I know you kind of had a, a, kind of a rough growing up. Um, and But you'd been in the church your whole life. Um, mm -hmm. And the church experiences weren't always the safe zone either. Um, so it seems like. I'm guessing, you know, the Lord's been using some things in your life, throughout your life, to help you maybe put a little distance into question and be able to examine things a little more clearly. Yeah. Um, and then maybe someone who had a rosy, everything was rosy growing up, and that may be harder to question uh, mm -hmm. some things when that you've gone through that. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, it seems like to be a very big factor, aside from the pandemic, is the question of polygamy. It's that, it's that old ghost um, <laughs> hanging in the background that, uh, that haunted even people in the RLDS, even though we said, no, that's not of God. And neither did Joseph Smith practice or preach that or teach it ever, you know, and yet it haunted us because really? if you, yes, because it was the worst thing in the world to be at school and someone say, what church you go to? Oh. You didn't want to have to say because you know, we had our church sounded just like your church. It just had the word reorganized yeah. at the end. And so immediately people would be like, oh, you guys that had polygamy. And it's like, no, no, no. That was a different. <laughs> How so many it, moms it, you it haunted us just as badly. <laughs> well, I say it haunted us badly, but really nothing compared to what, you know, I guess I'd never really considered before that even though polygamy in the legal sense or in a, you know, it. In, in the physical sense, I guess, is not currently being practiced by the by the church. Mm -hmm. I had never considered before, I think until I think it was until I interviewed Tricia that if you passed away, then your husband got married to someone else that in the temple, tough then you're you. in eternal polygamy, even mm -hmm. though you didn't have to suffer it in this lifetime, you're going to be in a polygamous relationship forever. I never thought about that. So that's got to be yeah. something that hung on, you know, over you. When my, yeah, when I was engaged to my husband before I married him, I made him promise me <laughs> that if he got, if I die first and you remarry, don't get married in the temple. Just don't do in the temple. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And I found out a lot of women actually do have that discussion with their husbands before they get married. And it's so sad that we have to, yeah. that we have this hanging over our heads of, well, you're going to be dead and you won't be able to have any say. And then you'll just have yeah. to be living in polygamy when you're all in heaven together. 
But, um, yeah, so that was something I struggled with since I was a little, little girl. Like, the first time I heard about it, I was like, I felt, I could just feel that it was wrong. And I couldn't believe that Joseph Smith had done it. And for a while, I kind of thought, well, maybe it started with Brigham Young. But then I got older, and you start seeing the research from the big names like Brian Hales and you're like mm-hmm. oh well I guess I guess this has a lot of evidence for it so that was really hard it's something I've prayed about a lot over the years and it's just been so upsetting um, it was so upsetting to think about to the point that I didn't even want to look at church history at all in case yeah. it came up and I kind of stayed away from the Doctrine and Covenants a lot for that reason as well because mm-hmm. I was like I don't want to yeah. see it in there and think about it yeah. Um, but yeah, all the excuses, leaders, different, I would ask different church leaders and my mom, like for different, like, why, how is this going to work in the celestial kingdom? And they're just like, oh, well, there will be no jealousy and it's really just going to work out. And we don't know how, because we're not perfect mm. and righteous enough now to, uh, to get it, but it'll be great. And everyone who lived polygamy loved it and <laughs> <laughs> just... Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, come to find out. <laughs> That's well, not the case. I think polygamy is definitely a man's idea <laughs> for Seems obvious like reasons. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things with uh, the, the notion of priesthood that we ended up with that was not there in the beginning uh, in the Restoration by any means. Um, but part of that notion is that, you know, the men hear from the Lord and then the women just are supposed to be obedient, right? That's mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of the idea. And what I found out is that uh, the women are the other half of humanity that God made. He's the other half of, they're the other half of God. You know, it says he made man, male and female. And so female has half of what God is and the male has the other half. So we're missing half if the other one doesn't have a voice. And one of the things I've noticed is that women very much seem to be very well seated in the realm of discernment, gifts of discernment, more than men quite often. And the fact that so many women have misgivings about that whole doctrine of polygamy, uh, to me, resonates. It's, it's, It's telling us we're not listening. We're not listening to this this wiser half, this side of wisdom that the Lord has given women. This is definitely something of men. Um, but that must have been quite a journey for you, I guess, coming to, obviously, you, you felt something wasn't right about it. Um, mm-hmm. I assume you had to kind of research that out and pray about it. And, and yeah. there's a whole journey attached <laughs> to that on some level. Yeah, I, I dove into some historical stuff and I couldn't find uh, I couldn't find anything like there is now about uh, like Whitney Horning's book and Michelle Stone's podcast there's all these great resources now but back when I was first looking into it it just all seemed to point to yeah Joseph Smith did this mm-hmm. and yeah, it, was, it was hard and my husband um, before I started telling him how bothered I was about it he he hadn't really thought about it before he just kind of, oh, yeah, that's something that they did and hadn't really thought about the implications of temple ceilings that still go on. And and he's completely 100% on board with me now. He just, it never occurred to him before, before I was like, 
there's something wrong here. I'm bothered mm -hmm. by this. But I think a lot of people do stick with the LDS Church even though they are bothered by it because it's mixed in with the truth of the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith's first vision and the good things that we have of the gospel. The truth mixed with the lies yeah. Yeah. makes it more acceptable and difficult to separate it out when you're brought up with, okay, if the Book of Mormon is true, then Joseph Smith was a prophet, then mm -hmm. the prophet of today is the prophet, and everything he says is scripture, mm -hmm. everything all the general authorities say is scripture, they're just taught to to let it build on it's a It's a package deal. I mean, mm -hmm. you either got to accept it all or throw it all yeah. in, right? I mean, that's and it's a painful process to try to separate out what is true and what is tradition. It is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... Whew, I was finally led to, I thought I had like settled it all in my mind because I had gotten a witness from the Spirit that I would never be required to practice polygamy. Spirit told me that. And I was kind of afraid to ask specific questions of the Lord because I was kind of afraid of what the <laughs> answer sure would be. Weren't sure you wanted to know. Weren't right. sure what the answer would be. <laughs> exactly. So I at least got that witness that it would never mm. be required of me. And then I was okay for a while. But then mm -hmm. I just kept having this nagging feeling like I'm still missing something. I'm still not quite aware of yeah. something. But then I, as I prayed for resources, um, God led me to this book, Mormon Enigma, Emma Hale Smith. It's a biography of her. I think it's okay. the first one mm -hmm. ever written about Emma. And it's by two LDS women. And uh, they teach the standard narrative of, you know, Joseph practiced and these were all his wives, but seeing it all in context made me go, if this is true, if Joseph really did all this, then that was wrong. And I, so I was trying to chew on that. And then I also, it taught me some very important specific lessons about Emma and Brigham. Emma, yeah. I discovered just had the most impeccable character. Mm -hmm. I don't see how she could be a liar because our church just is like, well, you know, mm -hmm. she couldn't handle the truth. So she was just lying on her deathbed yeah. when she was still denying it all those years later and every time before then. And I was like, I don't see how this woman could be a liar. She's amazing. And then um, Brigham Young uh, seemed like he was a proven repeated liar over and over. Like... <laughs> Lying about Emma, lying about you know things that you can look up mm -hmm. and see. Oh, that's not true. That wasn't the case. You weren't at that meeting, Brigham. You wouldn't know. You know. Well, she was not a fan of his. Yeah, I wouldn't and, be either. Uh, it does look like, as I'm reading through the histories of Nauvoo uh, after the death of Joseph, it does appear that um, Emma was standing in the way. I think to some degree of, of Brigham Young being able to to seize control unquestioned, mm -hmm. you know, to be able unquestioned to, to, to be the successor and all that. She was kind of standing in the way he would ask her to uh, please join with me, uh, be, be a part of this, uh, support me and all these things. I need you to turn over these papers and stuff from Joseph Smith, whatever. And she was not going along with it. So she was kind of a standing in the way of that. About yeah. Him. Yeah. yeah. She did not care for him at all. Um, and I think, you know, because of that and because of the witness that she bore all the way to her deathbed, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know what the history of it is, but I guess in the 
LDS history and, and in its succession of leaders, you had to sort of either vilify or find a way to dismiss Emma Smith, didn't you? And they did vilify her for a long time. In fact, when this book first came out, I can't remember if it was like the 60s or the 70s, the church leadership told everyone, do not read that book. Even though these were two LDS faithful women, and they were just kind of shocked that the leadership was like that. Because they tell the truth about Emma, which is that she was a really good person. Mm. And um, that was against the church narrative at the time. So for a while it was banned. Uh, and you were wow. not supposed to read it if you were a good Mormon. And then later they rescinded the ban, but they didn't tell anyone that they had rescinded it. Oh. <laughs> so the authors wrote to them about it, and they were like, can you please rescind this ban? And they're like, oh, yeah, we did. But they didn't say anything publicly about it. So <laughs> so that's an interesting part of the history. But then after that, then the narrative started to be more forgiving towards Emma. Oh, she was okay. just... She was just traumatized and tired, and she didn't know she what she, just, she didn't know what she was doing. She's just, she's Emma. just a woman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor weak Emma. But yeah, then um, the last thing that this book taught me was about the succession crisis, just not being as clear oh, yeah, cut yeah. as the church teaches. Like we're taught that okay, Brigham Young was up giving a talk. And suddenly he got transfigured into Joseph Smith and everyone saw it. And then that's how they knew that wow. he was going to be the next prophet. And then they all followed Brigham Young. That's pretty I've never much heard that story the, before. That's, that's the gist of the story. Yeah. That probably got created like, in Utah somewhere, I'm guessing. Oh, man. Yeah, my husband's <laughs> been digging into the accounts for that. Yeah. And he found just one. And it's a later. He went mm. back and wrote it down later. And it might suggest transfiguration it might also it's kind of vague yeah well we were always taught uh we were always taught that it was very clear joseph smith set aside his son joseph the third as a successor and that was the end of the story but mm-hmm. it's not as clear as that it, both sides it, nothing was that clear you know it's interesting because at different times in joseph's life he set aside a number of people to be his successor, you know, David Whitmer was at one point to be his successor. And that's why a lot of people came to David afterwards because they were present when he did it. And they Mm -hmm. said, you were named as the next successor. And, you know, he didn't want to do that. Um, (laughs) He never asked for that. Um, But also I think James Strang uh, apparently had a letter that uh, a lot of people have. Uh, kind of maybe you could take it that way but you could also take it in the way of he was just being called to make a stake up there but yeah it gets confusing i mean david Mm -hmm. whitmer was literally made the president of the church in missouri at one point so yeah so then there was that and you know so we're not normally we don't normally deal with the idea of different presidents in the church i guess other than like maybe a stake president or something but you know, I think we need to realize Joseph was human, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't know that he always knew exactly who was going to succeed him and how it was going to happen. I, I am guessing he did not expect that he would be taken early like he did. I do think he had a premonition of it. Mm-hmm. You know, not too long before it happened, but um, yeah, yeah, he I had mean, some he, interesting dreams right before. Yes, he did. I like. And uh, beautiful, one of them just really beautiful to me, where it's a clear understanding that him and uh, Hiram would be taken. And then that his, mm-hmm. 
other brother that would be joining them not long after that. Samuel, in the, in yeah. That dream. Yeah, it's a, just a beautiful dream. Uh, I hadn't heard that until just about two years ago. It was the first time I'd ever read or heard that dream. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful thing the Lord was preparing him and letting him know. Yeah. You know. Um, so I understand that you wrote a letter to President Monson oh, yes. about uh, yes, polygamy. Is that, is that true? <laughs> yeah. How'd I that go? A, I was a newlywed, so um, the polygamy stuff kind of came up because I got married and I was thinking about it some more and I was bothered by it again. And um, I had done my own searching through the scriptures and mm-hmm. with my husband and and we had kind of concluded together that, okay, this is not going to be a requirement for exaltation, which is something that Brigham Young had taught. And yep. there's still, you know, in the Journal of Discourses, you can find that, you know, you have to live this mm-hmm. if you want to be exalted. And so we had concluded from the scriptures that that's not the case, because we were like, well, I don't think it'll be required of us if, if you don't need to be exalted, if you don't need to live polygamy to be exalted. So I just kind of wanted to to clarify that and to get the church to clarify that. So I wrote a letter to President Watson and I told him um, all of my issues with it and what my study had concluded about it not being required. And um, I didn't really expect to get a reply. I just asked him, can you please just, you know, teach us about this publicly, clear up the confusion. There's so much confusion about polygamy. Um, but. A few months later, my stake president called me in for a meeting, and um, he had gotten a reply from President Monson for me. So he sent it to my stake president. I wasn't allowed to keep it. I wasn't even allowed to hold it. The stake yeah. president just read it to me. And, Pla- um, plausible deniability, yeah. I think, if you right. don't actually have a copy of the letter that way. Exactly. <laughs> No physical evidence, mm-hmm. so you just have to take yeah. my word on it. And and so the only thing I remember from it was that he said that I was right and that I should keep studying the scriptures. And oh, so I was like, okay, well, good. Nice. So mm-hmm. we don't need to live in polygamy to be exalted. So we yeah. won't have to like some people think that even if you don't, you know, get married in the temple in polygamy here, mm-hmm. then eventually you're going to, because that's the higher way of living for some reason. Mm-hmm. So, so that was an interesting step along my journey. But uh, yeah, after I read Mormon Enigma, I, I was convinced that if Joseph had really done all these things, because they lay it all out in context of what was going on in Emma's life, and then in the background we have Joseph sneaking out and secretly marrying all these women, and I was just like, if he really did this, this was this was wrong, and I absolutely <laughs> yeah. know that it is wrong now. Yeah. Um, so I I was just praying, please help me find more resources to help me decide one way or another. Do I need to throw out everything? I really, really felt the Book of Mormon was true. I was like, maybe I was thinking maybe maybe Joseph was a fallen prophet and he did all these things. I don't know what this means for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I found, um, Connor Boyack again, he, I read his book, the Christ versus Caesar. He has a podcast called Sunday Musings and he talks about different church issues, current and historical. And he did one about Joseph and polygamy. And I expected him to talk about how Joseph was a polygamist, but he 
talked about how Joseph wasn't a polygamist and how um, history is written by the winners. And we have Brigham who wrote down all this history for us. And But let's look back at what Joseph actually said. Yeah. And Joseph actually preached against it mm-hmm. consistently all the time. And we have nothing from him yeah. ever saying that he did. And no, no real viable proof. Everything is from so much later. And um, he, he referenced Whitney Horning's book in that podcast, which I immediately bought. And from there, I was just convinced, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was not a polygamist. <laughs> you know, I never, I never had to be convinced that polygamy was wrong, um, simply by the fact that I was raised in the RLDS, not the LDS church. So uh, we did not have Section 132 in our mm-hmm. Doctrine and Covenants. And, uh, and, of course, if you're not raised and taught that, like, somehow this is was from God, even if mm-hmm. we don't still do it, I mean, you're just, it's, I think the natural inclination is to know that it's wrong. Right. Which yeah. is an interesting thing. Uh, and no one seems to have a problem realizing it's wrong unless um, you're convinced that somehow you have to put that. It's part of the package deal, mm-hmm. right? So if the Book of Mormon yeah. is true, then da 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 all the way down the line. And um, recently I just really felt like uh, the Spirit was telling me to share a little, about, a little bit about the idea of polygamy and and uh, some thoughts on it. And I thought, well, what am I supposed to share on this? I mean, obviously I'm biased, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, who wants to listen to me? Um, But, you know, the spirit kept telling me to read section 132 and I don't want to read section 132. Why would I want to read section 132? I'm not going to read section 130. This is my relationship with the Lord. He's always telling me to do something that I don't think I want to do. But one thing is I, I spent my life reading the scriptures, uh, all three standard scriptures of the RLDS, which was the Bible, Book of Mormon, and Doctrine and Covenants. Um, and so reading the Doctrine and Covenants over and over and over and over again, because it became kind of a primary book of the RLDS church, I would say. And, you know, it wasn't until not that long ago the Lord was like, you know, it's time to start stepping away a little bit from that book because it kind of overshadowed the things of the Book of Mormon, oh. and not everything in there is correct. There's some, there are, he, you know, I discovered there were some revelations that just ran out of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still mm-hmm. trying to go through the history of yeah, of our LDS DNC and see where exactly everything came from. Yeah, some so, very key verses came from William Clayton's journal, and I don't trust William Clayton anymore. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, so basically, the story that I was raised with is is mm-hmm. this: everything was hunky dory, and then Joseph died. And when Joseph died, Brigham Young was a bad guy. He took everyone west and did bad things. They're all wrong. We're right. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's <laughs> just get down the simplicity of that story. But yeah. you know, the truth is, is that all men are fallible, and all men make mistakes, including Joseph. And he was chastised numerous times. And um, mm-hmm. this is this is what the scriptures tell us. God says, "I use weak things. I use the weak." And I give you weaknesses that you'll be humble. And if you'll be humble, I'll make weak things strong. It's how he he does business. So we shouldn't be surprised. And we aren't supposed to put Joseph on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate what he did and bringing forth the Book of Mormon. But, but, you know, I, however, before I came to those understandings and realized that Joseph may have made some errors, and, and I don't believe polygamy was one of them, mm-hmm. uh, but I was very familiar with the revelations that were given through him 
that I knew he gave, whether they were all perfect or not. And, I mean, read them over and over again. And you get to know the cadences and the manner in which someone is speaking, even if it's the Spirit speaking through them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just get really familiar with how that sounds. And I'm thinking, why do I need to go read 132? And finally I thought, okay, if I'm going to do a podcast or something and speak at all about polygamy, I guess I better read this revelation. So I sat down and read it, and now I realize why the Lord wanted me to read it. Because the first thing I realized is this sounds absolutely nothing like anything that Joseph Smith ever gave. And I don't mean content. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the subject Although that was disturbing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it wasn't the subject. It was the words used, how mm-hmm. words were used, the the way the sentences were constructed. The uh, It was a completely different character from everything he had ever done before. At least for me. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But it, maybe yeah. because it's inserted in, in your book that maybe it's not as noticeable. But when I went and finally looked at well, it. Well, and I, I just, actively wow. avoided it for a long time because oh. I didn't want to yeah. have to think about that stuff. But, yeah, my husband's pretty good at, at uh, figuring out the, um, you know, seeing the style differences. And yeah. he said the same thing. Like, this is clearly in a yeah. very different style than anything else, any other revelations Joseph wrote. I don't know if it's proof positive, but surely it's an evidence. I'm surely if there's a handwriting analysis between earlier revelations that we know for a fact that, let's say, both churches can agree on did mm-hmm. come through Joseph and then do one on that. I, I feel surely, like someone did do an analysis of it, but I can't remember. Surely someone has. Um, but it has to was? be. It has to be completely different authorship. You, yeah. It's got to be. There's no way you get around it. I, I can see it. I'm not even an expert. Yeah. And I didn't grow up knowing the the origins of 132 either and how it just magically came out of Brigham's desk in Mm. 1852 or something. Well, after we were already out west, like, you carried the Mm -hmm. whole desk locked west. (laughs) Well, and conveniently, Joseph is dead at that point. Yes. Uh, Meaning he can't Mm -hmm. refute it. He can't say, yes, this was me. No, it wasn't me. Or, yes, it was me, but I changed my mind, or, or anything. There's nothing he can do. There's nothing he can add or take away from. And so you just have to go on the word of somebody who's like, oh, by the way, I have this document that's been sitting around here for 11 years. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think it only worked because so many people knew that Joseph had translated the Book of Mormon, and he was a good man, and the Book of Mormon's true. Well, if Joseph, mm-hmm. if this is really from Joseph, then this yeah. is something that we have to do. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure it could have really been an official doctrine of the church if they hadn't attached Joseph to it. Right. To be honest yeah. with you, I think. And a lot of people did leave the church because of that doctrine. Mm-hmm. A lot of them did, if you look in the history. And even some after they got to Utah and found out that that was actually being practiced, even wasn't official yet and it wasn't being preached publicly. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as people found out about it, they were going to leave. So you had to do something to lend legitimacy. To that revelation yeah. for sure. So, it's just so sad to me how how it's all. Uh, we started so well with the Book of Mormon being mm-hmm. translated, and and then how did it get so far off the rails that we're living whoredoms and committing <laughs> adultery? <laughs> uh, a brother of mine and a mentor, Douglas Virgil, was his name. He li- he lives up in Traverse City, Michigan. And he always, for years, would take, he would read that scripture that said that 
after God sows his word that Satan comes immediately to steal away oh, yes. the truth. He comes immediately to steal away the word. And I see that with the restoration. Like the Lord in the Book of Mormon and the things that was coming forth, it was an exciting time. And then almost immediately Satan is in there just trying to sneak things in, trying to do whatever. And before long, we're so far off the trail that, you know, it's like, how did we get here? You know? Yeah. It it really shouldn't surprise us either. But uh, yeah, I always, I, I, it occurred to me that it would be too easy if all we had to do was join the right church and then do everything the one guy at the top says, and Mm. then you're good. Yeah, <laughs> pay your tithing and uh, get your you temple through. recommend and mm-hmm. get up to the pearly gate and you go, here's my temple recommend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hand, it to, <laughs> hand it to Peter and you're good. Uh, well, let me, let me ask you this question. Do you think we're going to, do you think this is it? Are we, are we going to, are we finally coming out of all this? Is, uh, is this the last time? Is the Lord going to gather us all together? Do you, do you think that's where we're headed right now? I really hope so. I really feel like. Mm-hmm. My husband and I, our little family, were gathered very specifically, Mm. um, physically to Missouri and spiritually to where we are now, even though we're Mm. still, we're still reading and studying and pondering and praying and figuring things out and sifting through what's true and what's tradition. And, um, but it's astounding to me to see how many people who are openly talking about how polygamy is wrong and Joseph didn't practice polygamy because years ago when it first started really bothering me when I was a younger adult I couldn't find anybody and everyone I talked to about it would be like well it doesn't bother me or you know we'll we'll worry about that later and I'm like how does this not bother you why am I the only I felt like I was the only woman that it bothered in the LDS church Ever so, and but now there's just the, all these groups on Facebook of like-minded people. It's really inspiring to me, and I'm like, yeah. something must be, something big is coming. Yes. Something big must be coming because it was not like this mm-hmm. a few, just a few years ago. It was not. Yeah, it's. I'm so excited about it. Uh, it just to me, it's it, the proof is in the pudding. And, uh, you know, I saw the RLDS starting to dismantle. I saw people leaving kind of like what's happening now in the LDS. There's just more and more people mm-hmm. coming out. If they're not out, they're half out. <laughs> and yeah. They're either going to get pushed out or they will leave on their own and all that. And, you know, <clears throat> I thought, wow, the LDS church uh, wasn't what I thought. I thought it was one true church. And it was a good church. It, it was a good, it was a, I had a lot of good days there. But the Lord doesn't want us to come to a church. He wants us to come to him. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and so we're wondering, what's going on that our church fell apart on us, Lord? What, what's, what's going on here? And I realized you began to teach me. We're in the wilderness now. And it's like mm-hmm. Egypt was a good place for a long time. <laughs> but Egypt isn't our final destination. The promised land is. So, you know, Egypt is the church. And, you know, and when he was telling me about this and I was learning about this, he said to me one day out of the clear blue, and I wasn't asking, he said, there will be a tremendous harvest out of the LDS church. Wow. And it was as he was teaching him about why he had brought us out of the RLDS church. And that was when I realized like, oh, so you're going to do this with the LDS as well. And I decided, so that was 2012. Okay. Uh, so, uh, no, yeah. Or 2007 actually was. 2007. Okay. So that's been a while back. That's the year I got married. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yep. Okay. <laughs> 
and here it is happening. And, it, you know, it's not. And I knew immediately when he said it, it wasn't because he didn't like LDS or something. He loves yeah. LDS. That's why he's doing it. He loves us. That's why he did it to us. Mm-hmm. You know, he said there'll be one shepherd and one flock. Um, so that's, I mean, somehow you and I and all of us who really love the Lord, we got to come together into one body, you know, and, and yeah. he's got to be the head, not some, some other right. dude. You got to strip him. away the layers between mm-hmm. us and God. It's got to be direct. Absolutely. And then yeah. God took care of the Israelites in the wilderness. He fed yeah. them manna and gave them water mm-hmm. from the rocks. And yeah, so absolutely. It's really, it's really, really hard to come out of something that you grew up in and has been a part of your life just enmeshed um it's really really hard (laughs) to let that that let that foundation break away so that you can be built on the true foundation the rock of Mm -hmm. christ um it's painful and it's it's a process of you know healing and studying and praying but it's it's so worth it it's hard but it's worth it so how did you uh how did you end up gathering into Missouri? What was the, what's the story behind that and That is an interesting story. So my husband was in the military. He was a worked in a hospital. And um they moved us back to California in 2020 during all the craziness and you might have some idea how bad California was at the time. Yes, very strict. <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah. And uh he uh, we both just felt that it it wasn't right, the mandates, and um, praying about it. I actually had a dream from God telling me not to get the vaccine and that I needed to tell my husband that as well. And so he, uh, he was ready to get it if the Lord wanted him to get it, to keep his job. Yeah. But um, so we're like, well... If we want to not get the vaccine, we have to find a new job, and mm-hmm. and uh, we've just felt we were very drawn to scriptures about Zion. So we were studying DNC about um, Zion, and my husband found the scripture um, where God says that He's you know named Independence, and that there will be no other place given, and he he just felt really really strongly about that, and then we. So we wanted to go to Missouri. <laughs> we prayed about it, and we felt like, yeah, we should go to Missouri, even though my all my husband's family is in Utah. And my dad died six years ago, so I don't really have family anywhere anymore. But um, we never lived in Missouri before, but we just felt really, really strongly called there and um, had multiple dreams just indicating location and mm-hmm. and the, even the specific house that we ended up buying okay. um i was shown that in a dream <laughs> so and it, it just all worked out perfectly it was really hard Oops. finding a job that would let him because he because if he got another job in a hospital he was just going to have to worry about vaccine yeah. mandates again um but he was able to find remote work uh so he works from home and can mm-hmm. live wherever he wants to with this wonderful job that God gave him. The company actually, he had applied before and they filled the position. And then we were kind of in the 11th hour struggling to like, we need employment elsewhere because mm-hmm. he's going to be kicked out of the military if he doesn't quit soon. Yeah. So, um, but they, 
ended up calling him back in the 11th hour and they were like, we wanted to hire you so much. We just felt like we needed you on the team that we created this position for you. Wow. That's and it awesome. was a temporary position, but now he's hired on full time. And so that's that was a, That's a God amazing. thing right there. So everything well, just kind of lined up perfectly. What's interesting, uh, you're talking about that, is I just met with uh, another LDS couple uh, that are listeners of the podcast that are living in the Ozarks right now. Oh, wow. And they came from another state completely. And um, John and Brenda is their name. I hope they don't mind me. <laughs> but they were, they were led by the Lord to come to Missouri, too, and to a very specific area. And they were shown the house, which one they should get. And, well, then somebody went and bought that house on them, and they thought, oh, I guess oh, we man. don't get to get that house, you know. And it turns out about a year later, something happened. The person who had it was not able to live in it. They were doing something else, and they needed to sell it again. And they were given the first opportunity. Wow. And so they're now living in the house that the Lord showed them to get that's in amazing. the very location <laughs> they were supposed to be in. So that's kind of neat. Kind of goes along with your experience and your husband. That's, yeah, that's God neat. is really reaching out to people. And we, we just prayed so much during all that confusion and chaos to be mm -hmm. led by the Spirit. We were like, we want the Holy Spirit to be our guide. Mm -hmm. And God answered us. He definitely led us by the hand. Yeah. You're a, you're a living example of the parable of Zenos coming to pass. You are being grafted into the tree oh, in the land of Zion. Yes. And as he brings more and more people like you in, he'll start grafting out some of the people that don't belong here. Uh, <laughs> that's how that moving works. Moving things both ways. Yep, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's right. So, well, that's cool. Um, and so how long have you been here? We moved here last April, so almost a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. April. Okay. So... And you, uh, you you visited a, a restoration branch recently. I don't. Do you mind? Yes. Saying something? You did. That was so, another yeah. interesting miracle because I so I had joined a local um, Bible study group just with some neighborhood moms, mm -hmm. and we were studying the Book of John. And I remembered, oh, I took you know in BYU I took a New Testament class for one of my religion credits. You have to have a certain number of religion yeah. credits. So I looked up my old notes from there and I found um, some notes that I'd written down from the professor about how the uh, Bible that we use, the LDS use, only has about 600 of the JST changes, the Joseph mm -hmm. Smith translation, yeah. in the footnotes and the appendix. But there are actually over 3,400 mm -hmm. something changes. And yeah. so I was like, well, I forgot about that, and now I really want a Joseph Smith translation Bible that I can just study where it's all in the text and not, I don't have to flip to the back mm -hmm. or look at the bottom, and it's all there, not just 600 handpicked yeah. by a committee changes. And I was praying because I was like, I have no idea if this even exists or where I can find one. Yeah. And then we just happened to find the restoration branch in our tiny little town. We live very rural. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we were just kind of shocked that there was one here of all places. Yeah. And so we went to visit and they gave me an inspired version of the Bible the okay. day we visited. And I was like, this is the Bible I was praying for. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, I hate to tell you, but it went through a committee too. So Okay. That's what I thought, but I didn't think it had as many changes. Well, it, so there's a, actually there's a book, um, uh, where is it? Uh, a church historian. 
Richard Howard, um, which is an interesting book. And not everybody is excited about this guy because um, the name he, sounds familiar. He uh, he no longer really believes in the church or anything like that. But he was a church historian. But he was a good historian. Um, he did. Oh, he was he's very the one interested. who said that Joseph was a polygamist, right? Um, I think recently or something he came out saying they probably was or something. Okay. But you know that's an opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this work he did, I think, in the '60s originally, or early '70s, or something. And what it was is a book where he was interested in how did we get our restoration scriptures that we have, meaning ah. the the three standard books of our LDS, right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, yeah, um, there's some there's some changes in there that we don't even know where it came from. Uh, oh. Some things were extracted from a personal Bible of Joseph Smith, where he was just writing things in the column. In the mean margin, it, yeah, oh. and it wasn't necessarily he was saying this is an authorized change of the bible it's just where yeah. he's writing things and you know there's there are some parts that i can't really track down but there's also some good things in there that i do appreciate for sure and it has it has way more of the original manuscript than than my yeah bible i think does, uh, so I like in genesis is a lot of stuff in genesis and i think um, yeah. most of that was what was called the book of moses i think yeah I was, yeah, yeah the pearl of great price book of moses mm-hmm. yeah book of moses kind of grafted into Genesis, yeah, to, which is j- super jam- interesting. Jammed in there, so, <laughs> so suddenly all the, <laughs> the chapters and verses are way off from yes. everyone else's Bibles. I, I understand that LDS had, I think, a version, right, where it's a King James, and then it's sort of like a study Bible where below there would be notations of what Joseph Smith had. Is that how that was? Um, in the Yeah, it's... And they're not all there. There's only 600 of them. And yeah, some of them are in the footnotes, and then the longer ones, the longer approved ones, are in an appendix behind the Bible. So it have the little reference at the bottom that you can go look up and and then read it. But I was like, I want it all together for studying purposes. (laughs) Because we've got the giant, we've got an enormous, I don't have it with me, hardcover of the original manuscript mm-hmm. and it's got all the all the changed parts but it's not in context with yeah. the rest of the scriptures so it's not great for studying but it's good for reference okay yeah okay so first thing i when i hear you say that you you visited a restoration branch first the first instinct in me is to apologize to you immediately. <laughs> but you you had a good experience you said <laughs> but they're did, not they're not yeah. all bad there's some good ones out there so <laughs> <laughs> It was just so great meeting um, more people who love the Book of Mormon and yeah. preach the Book of Mormon over the pulpit. and A larger family. The, the spirit is great there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've been so welcoming and sweet, and it's great meeting more people who live in our, because our, our, our town is tiny, mm-hmm. so yeah. good to meet more local people in any case. And Do they yeah. seem familiar to you, even though they're not LDS? Do they seem familiar to LDS, or is it a different... Do they feel like a different kind of people for some reason? The service is very different. Yeah. The Some of the people do remind me of, like, the kind of feeling I get from, like, you can look at someone and kind of tell if they're Mormon or not, or I can't anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I met a few people today who were like that. I was like, if I didn't know you were not Mormon, I would guess you were a Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I meet people all the time, I think. They must be RLDS. I just yeah. I've been around RLDS so long. There's mm-hmm. like a feel to them. I can't explain yeah. it. No, I and I don't matter where I go, I go. Oh, these are RLDS people. <laughs> I they have a certain. I hate, I'm not saying the spirit to them. But yeah, <laughs> like there is a certain thing about Aura? it. And 
something. And I meet a lot of Mormons or, well, people that I think are Mormons all the mm-hmm. time. I think they must be Mormon. Like there's a feel to them. There's like something about them. They're, they are a peculiar something people. Something in the demeanor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something, something in the demeanor, behavior, whatever it is. Uh, maybe they're not drinking coffee. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One way or another. But yeah. So you yeah, the, the got sermon, something out the, of that. The first sermon, um, the first Sunday we went, the sermon was mm-hmm. about the literal gathering of Zion yeah. in Missouri. And that just kind of blew me away because I kind of felt like we had been gathered there for that purpose. Yeah. And that's not something that the LDS Church really teaches anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Zion is in your heart. Zion is wherever yeah. you are. You have to make Zion yeah. in your community, which yep. I definitely think is a good goal sure but there's also going to be a literal place which god set aside for zion that was a big thing that that was a big thing in the rlds for quite a while when i was growing up is zion is in your heart you know and i think that was i think that was a shift because i think what it is when we're no longer in god's plan where he's planning to gather all the tribes and then we have this work to do and we're going to bring about the Zion and where the new Jerusalem is, the Book of Mormon puts it. When you're focused instead on the church as being the ultimate goal, yeah, then I guess Zion needs to be in your heart, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not against that idea. I love the idea that Zion is in your heart. And, and then we even have a scripture that says, um, Zion is no further or closer than the spiritual condition of my people. Mm. You know, so there's truth there. But yeah. but also, I think probably from what I've seen, the LDS church turned the church into Zion. Yes. If you're in the church, you're in Zion, right? Right. Wherever you you're are. You're gathered into Zion, and then your stake you know. is your little Zion <clears throat> island, wherever you yeah. are in the world. <laughs> but surprise, surprise, even in the Bible itself, the prophets are continually talking about God is going to... Fulfill his covenants with his people, including those lost tribes that nobody knows where they went. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the prophets know. The prophets said, oh, they've been distributed to the four quarters of the earth, even to the isles of the sea. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's going to gather them into one place. And so you're like, okay, uh, we can say Zion is wherever it's in your heart. But guess what? There's going to be an actual literal uh, new Jerusalem built. There's going to be a, an actual physical gathering. And now you're doing it. And yeah. I've done it, and lots of others are doing it. And I remember reading about that as a kid and just wondering, like, why aren't we all moving to Missouri? What's... Yeah. You're on plan B. Yeah. So that <laughs> confused me quite a bit as a kid, like, just looking at the, how different things were in the scriptures mm-hmm. versus how things were in the tradition, in the culture. Uh, it just was a big struggle for me, and I, I always struggled in in the church culture in general too. So many people yeah. are like, Oh, I love the LDS church culture. It's a great community. And I just never had that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But God was teaching me to rely on him. I think. Yeah. He definitely had his hand on you. I think all of your life probably and mm-hmm. trying to bring you to where he wants you to be. And, you know, and I noticed that you also did put some stock. And I think you said your husband did in that uh, revelation that Joseph Smith that had that said that Zion would not be removed from her place. Yeah. You know, so it's not just going to up and move over to Utah right. or Nauvoo or Oh, wherever. continuing revelation. The new prophet says this, so it's different now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ever evolving, you know, 
Mm-hmm. But I was always raised that God is unchangeable. You know, yeah. he's the same yesterday and today. And, you know, and the thing is, God already knows everything is going to happen. So uh, whenever we get in this position where we have to explain things as if God didn't know something was going to happen. So he had to change his mind and now move mm-hmm. science somewhere else or whatever. Like, I don't. It's hard for me to buy into that because that's not how Contingency God. Contingency plan. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like men trying to, you know, make things work. The Explain way they the difficult history. Yeah, yeah. In a, I guess a faith-building way, but let's just be honest. I think the truth will set us free. Yeah. Well, what's? I just want to sort of open it up to you. I guess uh, I know we're about an hour and thirteen minutes, but I want to sort of open this up as far as. Something on your heart, um, something the Lord's been talking to you recently. What's exciting for you and your husband right now? What's on the horizon spiritually? And I have a list of questions. I just, <laughs> I try to, I have three young kids that I homeschool, so I, it's mm-hmm. hard to set aside time to go study and pray, but I, I try to like add to my list of, I need, when I have time, I'm going to pray about this next. I'm going to try to research into this next and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we both just diving into more and more history and just trying to sort out, um, I guess, the wheat from the tares in the history. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, I just, it's just been amazing seeing the changes um, just in people all over, not just in us. Like, to yeah. see God's hand moving in so many different ways, it's mm-hmm. so exciting. And we're happy to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, very, very, uh, it is a blessing indeed just to to know that he is moving uh, and know that, you know, we're part of what he's doing. We get to be a part of it. And I know more and more people we haven't even met yet, we've never talked to and are in the forums that you and I are in that we've never even talked to. And yet they're on the same path. Yeah. And what's also amazing, too, is not even just Book of Mormon believers. I mean, uh, my wife and I uh, were, I had to get her out of the house, you know, so we could have alone time for a moment. And uh, I said, can I take you on a date? (laughs) (laughs) We went out to the steakhouse and we were eating and there was a big table of people uh, just behind us and over to the side. And they were all talking about the Lord, what the Lord is doing and what's what's happening and all the exciting things God is getting ready to do and and all this, and we were appreciated, and we were talking about the Lord ourselves, but we kept overhearing them talking about the Lord. Then my wife got up, and she just, when they got to ready to leave, and she says, I just want to tell you that I just love that you guys were talking about the Lord over here, and I, I can't wait for the day where everyone in this whole restaurant would be talking about the Lord. And they were excited. They hugged her, and then they gave us a bunch of, they wrote down their information and stuff, and they're part of a, a Christian equipping ministry uh, here in Independence or Kansas City area. And it's it's interesting because this entire equipping ministry and all these people are doing all these things for the Lord, it all started because one of them had this vision. And the vision was that they saw that Kansas City area was this like central place where God was going to do this amazing work. And in the vision, they saw that it was like the hub of a wheel, this area. And this is now the third time I've heard of this vision. And this is from complete strangers that I've heard it. So this is a third witness of this vision over the years of independence being the hub. In fact, their ministry was convergence, something uh, equipping hub 
or something. And they called it hub because of the vision. And so independence is this hub. And then there's these lines going out like spokes of a wheel, north, east, south, in every direction. And people are trailing, coming in from every direction and coming to this convergence. That's amazing. And so they've got a vision of Zion. And uh, I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast either, but there was another place that we were led to go to called Shift KC. It's not even a church. It's an equipping ministry, trying to equip people to walk in the gifts and to begin to do their own ministry. And that happened because of their uh, pastor. His name is Caesar. Uh, he lived in Texas. And he was going to the ministry and was, had a passion for the Lord. And the Lord said, I need you to go to Kansas City area. And he's like, well, I don't want to go to Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> and the Lord said, if you don't go to the Kansas City area, you won't have a ministry. And so he came here. And the first night I ever walked into that church, he gave a vision of what he saw was going to happen in the Kansas City area is how he put it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what it was, it was a 20 minute vision that he just, it was exciting. It was a picture of Zion. Wow. He saw an, he saw a highway between heaven and earth and the angels were descending and ascending and that there was just this, the whole world was, yes. And the whole world was looking to this area. And I'm just thinking, this guy is not even a Book of Mormon believer. He doesn't even believe in Joseph Smith's <laughs> visions or anything like that. And yet it's the same God. And yeah. he loves he loves these people. They don't have to believe exactly how we believe. Somehow he's going to put us all into one. And that's exciting. It even goes beyond LDS, RLDS, Temple mm -hmm. Lab, whatever. Um, and that's astonishing to me. Like, how does he pull this off? I have no idea, but I'm glad he, I'm glad we don't have to make it work. You know, he's going to, he's going to make it work. So. Yeah. During, during that sermon that at the restoration branch where he was talking about the literal gathering of Zion, he mentioned someone who wasn't even a member, never heard of any of this before. He had a dream that, um, that Zion or yeah, I think Zion, I think he said Zion was going to be in independence. And so, like, he lived in Illinois or something. So he moved down here because of that dream, and he was not affiliated with any branch of Mormonism at nope. all. So, yeah, the point, yeah. The, the sermon was saying, you know, it's God's going to gather whoever mm -hmm. and everyone and anyone who will hear his yep. voice and follow him. You can drive around Independence and go, this doesn't look like sign. <laughs> I would, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of sad when we discovered, oh, Independence actually has kind of a bad reputation for being kind of a of a, a druggy area and run down. And <laughs> but, you know, there's that scripture that says we'll have to build up the waste places of Zion. <laughs> so right. when you're driving around Independence, you go, oh, yeah, see, we've got to build some stuff up here. We're gonna, yes. We have to knock down a few things, too. I don't know. So all of this ultimately led to me leaving the LDS church and not everybody feels like they need to do that. Yeah. And I totally agree. Like do what God tells you to do specifically. Amen. Um, but I, I kind of had a, a really bad experience with my local leaders just with ecclesiastical abuse and just kind of throwing the handbook at me very unmercifully. Yeah. Um, and God had kind of forewarned me about that happening in some dreams that I'd had. And so when it happened, I was like, okay, God knew this was coming. Yeah. He was trying to prepare, prepare me for it coming. And it was very heartbreaking, awful experience to go through. But then I 
I kind of just came to the conclusion, okay, I think God is like showing me that he's in my corner and he knows that this was wrong and that it's okay if I leave. And I really, really struggled with that. And, you know, I've been a member my whole life. My dad baptized me and, um, it's a big, big change. <laughs> but after I finally did, you know, I was very prayerful and I waited and I thought about it. And But after I finally did send my letter, I got so much peace from the Spirit. Mm. Um, just an outpouring of yeah. the Spirit and light filling me up. And so... He was setting you free, you know, yeah. but it's, it's a hard thing to go through. It has yeah. to be. You know, even though... Uh, not all of your experiences in the LDS church were great. I mean, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't the panacea, I guess that some, some people may think it was, mm -hmm. yeah, that's gotta be hard. It's still part of it's, you were born and raised in that church. Yeah. And I, devoted to the gospel, just love the gospel yeah. and had ex good experiences with God my whole life. And, um, so it, it took a lot of faith for me to trust God that mm -hmm. like, this is really what you want me to do. And you'll still be there for me when I, yeah. when I take this leap and he has yeah. been. So I think if that's something that the spirit is nagging you to do, like yeah. it, it was very slow for me for a while. Like mm. I would just have this quick little quiet thought of what if I just let go and stopped trying to make it work yeah. and I would just feel peace but then i would immediately get scared and the, i would chase the peace away with my fear <laughs> yeah. but then after i went through with it and did it like i've had nothing but peace and an outpouring of the spirit it's been just amazing how, how you know you're on the right track right there and yeah <laughs> i know for every person it's different because um the lord has a different plan for everyone so for right. some some people he may be asking to stay and mm -hmm. In some ways, staying may be a harder, I think it may be a harder path down the road than yeah. it will be. And some of them will have to leave at some point or they may be forced out. Um, right. But yeah. some of us, he calls out, you know, and here's a wonderful thing. It's sort of like, well, I've, either I've been forced out of the church like some people have or I've chosen to leave or maybe it's a mix. But the funny thing is, is when we find out, lo and behold, we're not out of the church. We're actually still in the church. Right. There's only one church. And guess what? It doesn't know any denominational barriers. It is all those who uh, qualify according to his word in the Bible and the Book of Mormon. It's really clear that it's not about whatever institution you belong to. So mm -hmm. um, thank God for that, you know. And then, yes. and then sometimes you lose one family and you find out, but there's another family you have, you know. Yeah. Um, so I count you as family. <laughs> you, you can be a sister. I Thank I could you. use another another sister, and <laughs> I need all the family I can get. <laughs> uh, your husband can be a brother, and uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of good people in this area. A lot of people are gathering here, and uh, mm -hmm. and those people are being brought here. They're good people, even the ones that don't believe in the Book of Mormon. <laughs> good <laughs> That's people. So you know, true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I say don't believe in the Book of Mormon yet <laughs> right <laughs> but, the <day's> coming. <laughs> but that's not that's not the most important thing the most important thing is we believe in christ uh, yes it may probably become apparent at some point after what the things that the lord does especially with the seed of lehi mm -hmm. it'll become i think apparent that it is true but it wasn't the point i mean the whole point of the book of mormon was to lead us 
to Christ, mm-hmm. right? Not vice versa. Set us straight <laughs> so, on some things and yeah. Yep. Definitely. To help us help us find Christ. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you I, I know we're I know we're getting kinda of late. I don't know if you're gonna have to go, but I mean is there uh, just speaking to you off record, possibly here, but is there anything else you really want to talk about? I know there's a lot of things we didn't talk about Ooh. today. Um, I think we covered the biggest things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also you can always come back, you know. <laughs> That's true. If you want me. <laughs> so, so if you, you know, if I loved some watching that... the interview with Trisha. Um, oh yeah. That you did because yeah. I related to a lot to that, even though. She was like, oh, the community. And I was like, oh, I never had that. But I always really wanted yeah. it. I wanted it to work so yeah. badly. I was like, I want this to be, I want yeah. this to feel like the true church that they Absolutely. say it is. Yeah. Well, maybe you didn't get that experience because that would have been a hindrance to you. I think so. You know, in, yeah. in coming to what you need to come to. And who knows? We all have different paths to walk. And mm-hmm. I definitely uh, feel like God calls some people to say, stay, like you said. So. For different yeah. purposes. Absolutely. We all have our own path to walk, and uh, but we'll end up in the same place eventually, however yeah. we get there. So as long as we're following the Spirit, um, I really do appreciate everything you've shared today. Um, and if you're, I know your walk doesn't stop today, so you're still continuing with the Lord and you're learning things. If mm-hmm. you decide you want to come back at some future point and there, you want some things to share with people or some n- new understandings and whatever else, uh, that you're always welcome back. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you so much.